Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you've been following me on Twitter, you may have noticed I'm finally doing something about my weight and my health. I decided it's time to get back to my MVP weight. So I started Awaken 180 Weight Loss. I'm already feeling fantastic. The best part, I'm already down nine pounds. I could have hit the treadmill for a year and not seen the results that I've had with Awaken 180. Just like during my plan days, Awaken is all about losing weight and focusing on nutrition, coaching, and science. No pills, no gym. As you know, I travel a ton, but no worries there because Awaken 180 has a worldwide program. I can still have my weekly consults via Skype. When I'm back in Boston, I visit the government center location. Besides healthy living, my favorite part about Awaken is free support for lives. We are all stuck at home these days, but join me and get healthy. Call the solution for weight loss. Awaken 180, weight loss. Get on board just as I did. Go to awaken180weightloss.com. Welcome again, everybody. Red Sox Beat is back on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and visual Content. Ah, content. That is the word, isn't it, right now? This is, did I mention I'm Josh Lewin? That's how foggy my brain is right now. I think all of us are in that same predicament. Uh, We're looking for content, looking to rid ourselves of angst, looking to just find out what the new normal is and for how long that's going to have to be the new normal. So uh, not going to prattle on and on endlessly about that, but I'm, I'm sure that you share my Feelings on that, that normally, obviously right now we'd be talking about a Red Sox five-game win streak or five-game losing streak or whatever it might be, and certainly we're not talking about any of that. We are going to talk to Dan Shaughnessy, though, Hall of Famer, a baseball writer that you guys know so much better than I do, because again, uh, not to, to fluff up my credentials or over-represent them, uh, I grew up not in Boston. I spent time as a kid in Boston, but not a lot of it. Uh, was not a Red Sox fan growing up, was a Red Sox admirer, but was not living and dying with every pitch. Uh, and Dan Shaughnessy, you know, uh, even though he is a New Englander, remember he had to go away to kind of start things out. He was covering the Orioles before he came back to cover the Red Sox. And uh, I also started out covering the Orioles, uh, doing pre- and post-game shows for them on the radio, and that led to Network television, baseball play-by-play, and then this weird Edwin Jackson maneuvering all around Major League Baseball as a play-by-play guy, which took me to the Red Sox. And uh, very happy to be invested in the Red Sox now. Happy to talk to you about them. 
But Dan Shaughnessy has been there and seen a lot more than I have seen. So that's kind of why we want to go down that road in just a little bit. What are you guys doing to to fill the void? I mean, we're going to talk about that a little bit today because void filling is pretty much all we're we're doing right now. It's a collective. For me, you know, and I mean, I'm a bit of a nut and I freely admit that. It's not like I expect everybody can go this deep into a, a rabbit hole and come out with the weird nonsense that I'm coming up with. But that, you know, uh, for better or for worse, that is kind of how my brain goes. So uh, already that was in play with the creation of the Throwback League podcast, which I hope you guys have found and you're enjoying. That's the one where it's basically a March Madness bracket of all the World Series teams from 1974 through 2006. Some at-large teams in there, too. We play out the season simulating the results of all the matchups, and I go into a little studio and, and record the games like they actually happened, do like fake play-by-play with the sound effects and all of that. So that's been a fun project. Hopefully you've got a hold of that, the Throwback League on uh, iTunes, Spotify, whatever. I'm to the point now where just to amuse myself, and I'm going to go ahead and put this up on, on social media soon too, I got a Jumping Bean Racing League starting up, seriously. You know, you guys ever have Mexican jumping beans when you were a kid? Get them for like uh, $2.99 and in a little plastic case, five little jumping beans that are basically just worms, larvae inside a little shell. And uh, they, they hop around because the, the worms are inside wiggling, trying to kind of remove themselves from that shell casing, trying to become a moth someday. So it looks like they're hopping, looks like they're jumping. And, and if you make yourself a little race course, you can have some Olympic-style fun. So, uh, I mean, it, it's come to that. And, and naming the beans is kind of like where we are now, you know, from Garbanzo to, to Beanie McBeanface to Meat Pants and Prickly Pete. I, I make no uh, apologies for any of that, or I don't even know how to explain that. But that's where my mind goes. I'm just curious as to how you guys are, are getting through. And uh, we'll, again, we'll talk about that with Dan in just a moment or two when he joins the pod. I, I do want to remind you, too, as we look again for content at this point in our lives, with no NBA, no NHL, obviously no Major League Baseball, at least there is our Bet Online friend. Uh, we, we do have to mention Bet Online still has hundreds of sports events and games to wager on. Uh, you can basically bring Vegas right into your living room and go online with their uh, casino and blackjack. They're open 24 hours a day. And obviously online is a good way to go these days. Keeps you nice and safe. They've got a $750,000 poker series. If you're into props and entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol. You can bet on the weather right now if you want to. I mean, you know, if you think you're a barometric pressure insider, you can go there. Go to the website or use your mobile device. Join today. Receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Be sure to use the promo code CLNS50. That is CLNS50. Bet online. your online wagering experts. I should probably reach out and see if they will take action on the Jumping Bean Racing League. Because I'm hearing good things about Prickly Pete. All right. We're going to have a little bit throwbacky kind of Red Sox stuff at the end of the podcast. want to walk you down a little bit of memory lane about 10 years ago, which I think we, we would have been doing this year anyway. This just kind of a little heads up. Uh, think, do the math, right? I mean, 2020 minus 10 years, where does that take us? 2010. You can start thinking right now, what would have been the common thread? What's the common denominator potentially between 2020 and 2010? It's a two-word phrase 
that not a lot of people in Boston liked. That's your hint. And we'll, we'll go there after we get done talking to Dan Shaughnessy. The, the quality of the interview, not perfect. Uh, nothing's perfect these days, doing everything with Zoom calls. And at least we've now all learned we have to wear our pants when we do Zoom calls because you, you never know what's going to happen uh, in terms of the camera panning down inadvertently or you know who's going to walk into your call. So uh, technolo- uh, technology-wise, is that how I'm supposed to say that? Technologically, I guess, is where I was going. This is not perfect. This is a recorded call with the Hall of Famer, Dan Shaughnessy. Hope you enjoy. All right, as promised, I know everybody wants to hear him. If, if you haven't been reading him, uh, some of you get behind the paywall and slither free of that, and then some of you just find your way to Dan Shaughnessy anyway because he is such a must-read. And, uh, Dan, first of all, thanks so much for taking the time, uh, and, and I don't want to uh, waste much time. I want to get right into what you most recently wrote which I thought was really interesting, talking about uh, Alex Cora. And if there's no regular season, which, by God, I hope you're you're wrong and I'm wrong and we're yeah. all wrong, and I hope there is one. But uh, walk me through the, the process, because I thought you made a great point about how in a very weird way, if there is a, a complete punting of 2020, the ball lands nicely for, for the Red Sox. Well, yeah, I just it's it's a weird thing, and again, we have to qualify everything. There's nothing good is coming of this pandemic. I mean, this is a lot of suffering, and it's bad, and uh, on every level. Uh, but as as we try to figure out how it's going to be pieced back together, some of the scenarios with sports, you know, reduced seasons, and and of course the draconian for baseball 2020 would be no season. And I haven't ruled out anything yet. I don't think they have either. But in any event, uh, hopefully it doesn't come to that. But it, it occurred to me that for the Boston Red Sox, no season would would might be the best possible outcome in a, from a competitive standpoint. Only in that, I mean, they traded Mookie Betts and got hammered for it. If there's no season, they end up getting three players, three prospects, what have you, in exchange for nothing. I mean, a guy that, because of the rules of service time, they're going to Betts is going to be a free agent after this year anyway. So had they not dealt him, they would have gotten zero for a player who was going to be gone at the end of the year or a free agent at the end of the year. So, you know, kind of fallen into it that way. And obviously with Chris Sale, he just had his Tommy John surgery, which means they're going without him for 14, 15 months. Well, the less games that are played in that stretch, the better it is for the Red Sox in that sense, was it's fewer games they have to go to battle without their best pitcher. So if there were no season, he would only lose two or three months of next year and not all of this year. So it's a, it's a weird kind of backwards way of thinking. And then the core thing occurred to me, they love Alex Core. The players love him. The owners love him. Fans are split, but a lot of them still love him. And his penalty punishments won't be adjudicated until the next cheating scandal from the 18 Sox comes out. That's when MLB will tell us what Cora gets for his involvement with the 17 Astros and the 18 Red Sox. And in the event that he only gets a year and there's no season, I believe the Red Sox would bring him back as their manager and he would never miss a game. So it's sort of, again, a perverse way of thinking of it that Alex Cora could be a continuous manager for them and never have missed any time. It really is. And I know we're in such a land of what if right now and, and and by the way you had a great line here talking about how inadvertently boston's buffoonery could become brilliant and, and that's you know kind of pointed towards the the what if of, of no 2020 
The other thing, and, and you hinted at this as well, if there is no 2020, and again, I, I put the caveat out there strongly, we all hope there is a modified 2020 somehow, but uh, you, know, you, you look ahead and now there's some time to patch together an actual real live pitching staff and not this hodgepodge of Ryan Weber and, and whatever else they were going to try to do in 2020, right? I mean, because that, that's a big deal. You still have to find some arms here. Yeah, I just feel time is their friend uh, in this in this case because what I saw in spring training, I spent three or four weeks down there. They weren't ready for the season. It just was a 500 team at best, and it just looked like they were going to be buried uh, with their lack of starting pitching. You know, sale going down, being part of it, but having given away price, Porcello goes as a free agent, and what we saw, and then sale goes down. I mean, the, the, their top three are all gone. And I, you know, one of the um, rebuttals to my argument is that they don't get to, they would have to continue to be under the luxury tax threshold if there's no season, because they would not be able to reset for 2021 without the penalties. So they they could not go out and spend. But you could put together a better rep, more representative rotation if you had some time to play with, and then what they have now. I mean, they're they're headed for a, a fall in 2020 that was pretty clear. And, you know, shortened seasons help, always help the worst teams because there's more random outcomes in an abbreviated season. So they're already kind of competitively gaining from, from not having to do the 162. But I just think that they, the more time they have to piece together a respectable uh, starting rotation would, would only help them. And, you know, we didn't mention Verdugo also, who's got a fracture in his back. He was the one major league player they got in the in the bets uh price salary dump and he is not available for the start of the season he couldn't play in spring training because of the fracture in his back so again delay delay helps boston in terms of having an actual player in exchange for bets the longer this goes flashing back just a little bit dan because that's really all we're left with now is flashing back right i mean there's been this renaissance of baseball nostalgia these last couple of weeks because that's all we got. You, you and I are taping this on April 6th. And, you know, if you go back one year, I'm just thinking, I know where I was April 6th last year. I was in Phoenix watching the, the Red Sox get out to a two and eight start coming off of a world series year. I just was just kind of dorking around, looking some things up because I was waiting for us to get on the phone together. April 6th, nine years ago, Manny Ramirez played his last ever game as a Tampa Bay Ray I forgot he was even on the Tampa Bay Rays. He went one for 17 in his five games to start the season, and at 39 years old, he hung it up. So on this nostalgia play, because, again, that's what we're left with now, I, I want to ask you about a couple of guys here while I've got you. Manny is one of them. You covered some, some weird cats in your day. You know, you got a weird nickname from Carl Everett. you got all kinds of guys that you, know, you had to interact with. And uh, So I asked your curly-headedness right now. Uh, if we celebrate, I guess, the nine-year anniversary of Manny hanging him up, uh, give me your Manny nostalgia in, in 60 seconds or less. Oh, my God. I mean, you know, see the ball, hit the ball. He was uh, the greatest right-handed hitter since Jimmy Fox, probably. I mean, it was really impressive what he could do. And I feel bad about the cheating and the, you know, testing positive three times. And I talked to Manny about that. I mean, he feels badly, too. And I think he's trying to get into heaven now. And all that sort of thing. I'm not sure how sincere, you know, I, I, whether he would do it again if he could. But 
Uh, it's unfortunate that he had all the all the cheating to go along with it because as a pure hitter, I mean, really, he was for a righty hitter as good as I've seen. So let me stay on some of the the weird guys that that you've covered, and again, weird slash talented. And, and Carl Everett obviously came right to my mind. It's been a long time since I've even thought about him, to be honest with you. And just getting you on the phone, I guess, kind of triggered that. But where did you leave? What was your last conversation with Carl Everett? Boy, I mean, that was '01. Is is the year? I mean, the the headbutton stuff with Ron Culpa. I feel like. And that might have been 99. I can't remember. But then um, – and then the Olympics in 2000 was when he dropped the curly-haired boyfriend on Gordon East right. in reference to me, which I think might be right. hate speech, but I'm not sure. And uh, <laughs> and it was unfortunate. You know, he wasn't really – he wasn't the devil. You know, he could be a very charming guy. He he was a great freehand cartoonist and, and you know, could be very affable. I really think it was a meds thing with him that he would go off the meds and – and we would have these nut clusters because when when things were bad, there'd be a lot of bad, like back to back to back. And then there'd be stretches where there was nothing. And I really think it may have had to do with medication. But there was there was a darkness to him that just, you know, it wasn't good. I mean, one of the few times when you could see the teammates were afraid of him, and that's, that's unusual. Usually if the guy's killing the media, everybody's really into it because it's like, why not? But in this instance... Watch that video of him going after Culper when he's in the dugout with the bat. I mean, no one wants to go near him because he just – guys were scared of him. I had the same experience with uh, – not with Carl, who I actually always got along with okay, but uh, Milton Bradley what was that guy for me. Oh, you know, yeah. Just tell with <laughs> Another view. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, but there'd be that – whatever the opposite of glimmer is, I'm not really sure what the word is, but that, yeah. that look – in the eyes where you're like, uh-oh, you know. And I was there in Kansas City where he charged up into that press box. You know how that happens in Kansas City. It's all stairs, yeah. right? You go through those winding stairs. And, you know, in full uniform, he's up there wanting to challenge one of the announcers <laughs> for something that they, they said. So really yeah. weird. I, I want to ask you about another guy that you and I have both come in contact with since we're down this weird little road here. Uh, Kurt Schilling is a guy that I knew in the minor leagues. I was in Rochester coming up. I was like 21 years old uh, doing my first year of, of baseball full-time. And Kurt was, you talk about a wild child. I mean, this was right around the time he was painting his hair green. You know, Frank Robinson told him, don't ever do that again. Uh, you know, he he used to sit behind me on the little uh, commuter flights on, on Allegheny Airlines, if you remember Allegheny. Sure. Where Rochester would have to fly to, you know, we'd be going to Toledo or whatever, or, you know, to Providence to, to play Pawtucket. But he would sit behind me and make little spitballs and put them in my curly-headed piece of hair. Uh, you know, so I'd get off the plane and have like a thousand spitballs in my hair. That was my Kurt Schilling. Uh, what was your Kurt Schilling? Because obviously we've all got our oh, own take on Kurt Schilling these days. But while you were covering him, what was Kurt Schilling to you? I was surprised. I really thought I was going to enjoy it, and I was all for the deal. I wouldn't you be uh, picking up this, you know, stud righty anchor rotation guy, and they already had so many good ones. So, and then you know, I, I remembered him from the '01 World Series when he was, you know, the whole mystique and aura, and he was lighting it up for the media there. Pedro Gomez hated him, and that gave me some pause, um, and I should have put more into it. And I think that. Kurt would pick out one guy in every city and make him the devil, and it was Pedro there, and it was me here, and I was unaware of this that he was he was going to make me a 
<clears throat> target coming in and and it was bad from the start and I'm like why is this guy and it I mean again it was very there are politicians who will do this it's it's it, it gains favor to to blast the media and and Kurt knew and so he would he he figured you know crapping all over me out of the jump would would increase his base and it did and uh you know mostly his pitching his performance was great and I never took anything away from that. I mean, I, he was he was the greatest strike machine of the 20th century and all those things. But I, it was bad with us from the start, and and and, and now it's like I just have no use. I think he's a menace to society. I, I hope he stays off the internet and just just keeps quiet. Um, so that's that's where it is with him. <laughs> there, there's a, a sadness, I think, there too. I mean, I know you're a bit of an empath like like I am sometimes where you, you really do kind of feel for guys when they're obviously just kind of gone, you know. And uh, I, I think about Aubrey Huff, for example, right now. I don't know if you yeah. saw his latest, yeah, but, you know, there's, there's so, uh, you know, I mean, you, you can't even, you know, I mean, it's like you, you, you just kind of wince and, and almost want to turn away. Well, uh, the, the interesting well, thing for Kurt is Kurt's going to the Hall of Fame next year, and, you know, so that's that's – he's really – that's going to be interesting on all levels. And of course, right now we're in the middle of this pandemic, so it's hard to roll forward, but he's getting in and, uh, and that'll be, I just, I hope he, I hope he behaves and, and is, because he, he loves and respects baseball and that should be enough to, to bring him around, I hope. Yeah, you actually bring up a, an interesting side point here. I mean, because what better forum is he ever going to have than that podium in Cooperstown? So you hope he uses it somewhat responsibly. I, I would agree with that. Uh, finishing with Dan Shaughnessy, and I've actually got one more uh, on-field kind of baseball question for you, Dan, but before I leave this weird track that we kind of stumbled onto, uh, it dawned on me, I'm sitting here thinking, guys in my career, uh, which, you know, is, is dwarfed by your career, I don't want to pretend you and I are, are on that same level, but just you know, when you deal with guys in the clubhouse, and, and you're more of a writer, I'm a broadcaster, I mean, so there's gonna, always going to be that disparity in terms of, of how often you have to interact with guys, but Someone that I was just truly frightened by in the clubhouse. It only happened once to me in my career, and I'll tell you who it was. It was Vicente Padilla when he was with the Rangers. You talk about a guy who just gave off a vibe, like, you know, boy, this is one guy I would never want to make upset because not like, you know, we're going to, like, throw down face-to-face, but he might know people that could really make my life very interesting. You know, I mean, that kind of thing. So I'm just curious. It doesn't have to be a big name or anything like that, but it, it, uh, have there been times in your baseball career where you're thinking, "Wow, you know what? I've seen this guy's again that flicker in his eyes, and I just I don't even want to deal with this guy because he's scary." Yeah, I had those with a lot of you know. I had that with Rice early on. I had it with Boggs, um, Mo Vaughn, but you know, I always ended up okay. Uh, like Boggs, I love Boggs now. We just hang out in Cooperstown and all that stuff. It's great. And, you know, Mo's very, very great now, and he apologized later. But there were some, some – and, you know, Rice was, were very, you know, cordial and professional. So it, they've all come around, but there were moments with each of them when I I, I did, did, you know, think about my safety for a moment. But, you know, cooler heads prevailed. Thank goodness. So, and that you kind of segued beautifully into my last line of questioning for you, which is how are we going to figure out what's next on the field here? I mean, there are smart people working on this. I get it. 
but it's tough here on April 6th, April 7th, whenever people are listening to this, to envision normalcy in any walk of life right now, let alone in between the lines on a baseball field. So your best guess, Dan, just because I know you're, you're plugged in, but you're also simply a smart guy, uh, is everybody talks about, oh, I'm sure they'll figure something out by the 4th of July. Are you in that camp? And if they do figure something out by then, what's it going to look like? I, you know, it's, I, I hope so. I'm, it's, you know, I've underestimated this pretty much every step of the way. And so I'm kind of out of the prediction business, but it just, uh, nothing would surprise me at this point. But I really, I, I mean, America's just, I don't know how long America could tolerate it, but we got to keep thinking safety first and, and, and it's, it's just going to be a different world when you get out there. The sooner the better, but I'm not optimistic. One last one for you while I got you, Dan, because I, I was just, I've got, I think, three of your books in my bookshelf. I won't tell you which three. It's like that new internet thing that everybody's got to pick which three of nine, uh, <laughs> that they go with, whether it's a candy bar or whatever. But, you know, here we are to the point where I, I I'm guessing that the first one you wrote was probably easily, what, 20 years ago? And I know they're all your children. You can't pick a favorite one because that would be insane. But is there one, when you look at your own bookshelf of what you put out there, is there one that you would point to first if someone were ever to ask you, hey, give me a recommendation of a book that you wrote? I mean, I think if you're a Sox fan, you know, like the Francona book, I was really happy with, and and so was he. Uh, you know, everybody wrote books on the Red Sox winning the World Series, so I was working on mine, reversing the curse, which I was again. It's all in there, and if, if that year is special to you, that's all in there. And um, uh, I did a book called Senior Year. It's kind of a parenting memoir of high school sports then and now. Uh, you know, those those kind of mine. And the Curse of Bambino served us well, so we can't ever dispute that one. But yeah, thank you. No, thank you, because you actually named the ones that are in my bookshelf, so I guess, I guess I'm on the right track. So, Hey, Dan, very best to you, my friend, and thank you. Stay strong the best that you can, and uh, we'll hopefully catch up when there's some actual baseball to talk about. I hope so. Thank you, Josh. Once again, many thanks to the great Dan Shaughnessy stopping by for his wisdom and insight. I've got some wisdom for you right now, and I know talking about erectile dysfunction is never an easy thing. Usually we just kind of brush it off or, or blame ourselves. We say things like, I lost my mojo or uh, I, I had a long day at work. But with Roman, it, it is easy to talk about it, easier anyway. With a real doctor who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor works with you to find your best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman ships it to you free, two-day shipping to get it there. The whole process, very straightforward, simple, and again, the keyword, discreet. Just go to GetRoman.com slash Sox, S-O-X, and complete your online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be a tough tackle, but uh, now there is Roman, so complete the online visit today. Connect with the doctor and get it taken care of. Roman.com slash socks. That is your call to action. So uh, as we kind of get down towards the end of this week's Socks Beat, and humble apologies that there's not more to talk about. Uh, we went through whatever 
there was to go through that it's actually baseball related with Dan. But to take you back a little bit, I teased this talking about what would we have been talking about if there really was a 2020 season regarding the Red Sox. I think we would have heard the phrase bridge year quite a bit. And it wouldn't have been from Haim Bloom. It wouldn't have been from anybody in the Red Sox office. But it would have probably been from the rest of us. Because if you go back, it was actually October of 2009 that Theo actually put that out there for the first time. It was a, 09 was a 95-win season. But they got swept by the Angels in the ALDS. And it was time to just kind of refocus, re-step around some things. And how do you frame that without calling it a teardown or a, a redo or a rebuild? Because it really wasn't in 2010. Uh, However, you had such a thin margin for error. And when Josh Beckett hurt his back and won only six games, when Mike Lowell had the hip surgery, uh, things turned very ugly in, of all places, San Francisco in late June. That's where Pedroia fouled the ball off his foot. Clay Buckhole strained a hamstring running the bases. Victor Martinez broke his finger getting hit by a foul tip. It was three major injuries in one series. And that was basically the torpedo that, that sank the season. But Theo Epstein had called it a bridge year heading in. And what he meant by that was the real good stuff was ahead around the corner. Just wait for 2011, just wait for 2012. And ironically, it would be 2013 that we actually all got a rise out of. But the thought was always that the bridge that was built would be strong enough to compete for a pennant even in 2010. So it was a way to say we're not tearing down. You know, We're just kind of crossing over towards a, a different Uh, way of doing business. But in the interim, it's still walkable here. We can still possibly do this. But mostly due to injuries, that just never happened. And and by the way, in 2011, you might remember, they started that year 0-6 and then 2-10. They rallied. They got to 83-52 and by the end of August and actually led the wild card race by nine and a half games. But then things started to crumble and they got lost for good that rainy final night in Baltimore. I don't have to remind you, but just to review... As Tampa Bay rallied for their improbable win against the Yankees, the Red Sox lost on that sinking liner by Robert Andino in front of Carl Crawford. So, yeah, 7-20 and 20 down the stretch to botch the playoffs. And then the disastrous 2012 season. So uh, 2013 came as kind of a happy surprise. But I bring all of that up just as kind of a, a wondering out loud. Would 2020 have been cast as the bridge year and with the injuries already setting in, Chris Sale obviously going off of the Tommy John and who knows what else would have come down, but would 2020 have resembled 2010 on the field as well? I I have no idea. And part of the issue that we're all in right now is we'll never know. We'll never find out. We can have all the fun we want to simulating games and dreaming dreams and kicking back and doing nostalgia Again, very happy to promote the Throwback League as a podcast that'll let you do that. And here's some great names from the past. It's like uh, opening up a pack of baseball cards on a podcast, which is kind of how I'm, I'm pitching this thing. But none of that takes the place, obviously, of what would have been live baseball. And as we sign off this episode, let's all just kind of, I guess, rally together and kumbaya this thing the best we can to hope, above all hope, that they'll find a way, even if it's going to be in a very weird way, to get the season going. And we talked about a lot of that with Dan, just the the how-tos that could possibly come down the road. But let's keep the faith best we can. And without being too preachy, let's keep being good to each other best as we can to get through this very tough time. 
This is Josh Lewin. Appreciate you guys very much. Thanks for letting me take this thing over as we get towards the big 250 episode-wise. I've, I've frankly lost count for the same reason that I, I don't really wash my sweatpants much these days. It's, I mean, you know, where are we all going? What are we doing? But uh, keep your chin up. Keep on downloading. I'm very appreciative if you've uh, found the podcast and hopefully subscribe to it. We'll be back with another guest next week. Josh Lewin, keeping you, uh, well, Boston strong from Solana Beach, California. Talk to you later.